This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. So we are going to continue on um, the topic that we've been talking about since um, before the holidays. We started, uh, Minister Hill started back in November. And we're talking about how to stay focused and avoid distractions. So we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about not being um, distracted with your career, not being distracted in your commitment to God, your personal circumstances and struggles, not being distracted by your family, not being distracted by your finances. Tonight, I'm going to come in and we're going to talk about something. All of those kind of could play into this. We're going to talk about not being distracted by depression. So tonight we're going to talk about avoiding the distraction of depression. So we're going to be going to our same foundational scriptures, um, Ecclesiastes 3 and Psalms 91. So you can just go ahead and, and turn to those however you want to do it. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes 3 first. But before we do that, I want to, I want to give you the objective and the main points and then just a little something just to set you, set you right in the right place, okay? So the objective of this teaching is that we want to learn. And when I say learn, we want to, I'm going to break the word down when I say learn what, I, what I'm actually meaning here. And it's what we've been taught. We want to get the information. We want to process it. We want to, make, we want it to become knowledge. We want to understand it. And then we want it to become wisdom. We want to walk in it. So I know I, Sarah just said this. Words mean a lot. And sometimes I, I give you a word that means something in my mind, but it means something different in yours. So I want to break that down for you. So what I mean is not just, oh, I can repeat what she says. Oh, yeah, I understand it. I can remember the scriptures. But you want to get it in your heart. You want to digest it. You want to plant it in your heart, and you want that seed to come up and become the fruit. That's what I mean by learn. So we want to learn how to continue in God's purpose as we go through difficult situations of our lives without being distracted by depression. And notice that I said as we go through difficult situations. So the main points that I have here, we're going to look at four different things. And two of them in every teaching we've looked at. We've looked at the different seasons of our lives over in Ecclesiastes 3. Then we've looked in Psalms 91, we've looked at God's, and this is the second point, God's provision and his protection. And in that also, it, we have a responsibility. So the second point is we're going to look at God's protection and provision and our responsibility. And then the third point is we're going to expose some common lies that the enemy uses to ensnare us with depression. And then we're going to look at what we need to do to avoid depression. So once again, I'll read the objective and the points again. So we want to learn how to continue in God's purpose as we go through difficult situations of our lives without being distracted by depression. And in that, I'm going to have four main points. We're going to look at the different seasons of our lives. We're going to look at God's protection and provision and our responsibilities. And we're going to expose the common lies that the enemy uses to ensnare us with depression and then we're going to look at what do we do to avoid the distraction of depression. Now, before we get into this, I have a little disclaimer. Because we hear depression and our mind goes to all of these different places. Tonight and, and next week, we're talking about avoiding the distraction of depression. 
what, what I'm not focusing on is what, what you would say like a mental health problems that are caused by maybe hormonal dis, uh, imbalances, medical issues, and things physically happening in your body. Because we know there are some things physically that can happen in your body that cause different chemicals to kind of fire off. And then that changes your reaction to circumstances and situations. Now, I'm not going to be talking about that. But, listen, this message is not intended to take away any doctor's diagnosis that they've given you. But at the same token, understand this. Take, listen to what's being said. If, if that's what's going on in your life, don't think that God's not there for you. And don't think that this message can't help you because you can line these things up and it'll help you a lot. So before we get, I just want to show you something. So if you're experiencing these things, you know what? Listen to the word of God. Here, um, I'm going to go there, go there really quickly. You guys don't have to. I'm going to go to Psalms 107 just to, to make sure you understand because a lot of times... Especially, I think, in the body of Christ, sometimes when we talk about mental health, we just either, either we, we, we're not balanced with it. Either we say, oh, it's not here, or, oh, just get over it, or, or let's wallow in it. We, we can't do anything about it. It just is what it is. And that's not what, that's not what it is. Let's look at what, God, what, what, what we, we got in the Word of God. So Psalms 107, verses 19 and 20. It says, okay, so here it is. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them out of their destruction. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. So if this is where you are, what I just, that disclaimer I gave, if this is where you are, cry out to God. He'll heal all your distresses. A lot of times we think if it's a mental illness, that's not an illness. Yes, it is. God wants to heal you. God wants to heal you. Of, you know what? God wants to heal your broken heart. We're going to talk about that. God wants to heal those hurts. So God wants to heal you whatever is broken. Whatever is sick, God wants to heal you. So I just wanted to get that out before we actually get into our points. Because we're talking about avoiding the distraction of depression. So let's go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And we're going to... Um, we're going to read verses, uh, and I know we've read this every time, but I want to I wanna settle us into this. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. It says, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that there, wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from beginning to end. So, 
I like that, that verse 11 because he makes everything beautiful in his time. And in our hearts, we understand that, that God is doing something bigger, but we don't know it from beginning to end. So we just have to trust him. We've got to trust him in these seasons, in these times, because there are going to be different seasons in our lives. Not all the seasons are going to be pleasurable. Like if you looked at that, there's a spectrum. There's a time to love and a time to hate. That's a spectrum. That's, th- those two aren't close together. They're far apart. There's a time to mend and there's a time to rip up. So if you look at that, there are going to be seasons. There are going to be ups. There are going to be downs. There are going to be all these things. But we cannot allow, and I say allow because we don't have to be pulled in and distracted in these seasons. In, in the beginning of these teachings, Minister Hill went through and he talked about the devil and how he wants to ensnare us and how he's setting things up to plotting and planning and all these different things. And don't you understand, he's not stopping. So he's plotting, he's planning, he's finding every opportunity to ensnare you. And he's not ensnaring you to like put you on display and just, you know, like, oh, let's make him like a circus animal. No, he's ensnaring you to destroy you. He's like, no, no, no. I can't let them tell anybody else what they have. So what I got to do is I got to get them out of there. Or I got to get them so distracted that they can't continue in what God has called them to do. So you think that he won't use a season in your life to do that, but that's what he will do. He'll take something that is common to each and every one of us and say, wait a minute. I, I see a little chink in that arm. I'm fixing to grab a hold of that. But what has happened is God has made provision for us. He's made provision for us not to be caught up in that snare. So as believers, no matter what season we're in, we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. We've got to know, you know, like, and once again, go back, please remember, and I know, you, you know, I've been thinking about it a long time. Maybe you haven't. Um, but when Minnesota was talking about how the devil lays those traps, you don't even see the trap. He got everything around it. Like for me, he'd have a whole bunch of cookies around it and a Coke, everything I like. And I'd be like, hey, I'm going to go. And then I'm in it. So that's what he's doing. He's ensnaring you. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll say, uh, you don't need that cookie. You don't need that Coke. Go somewhere else. And God will just move you around it. That, but we have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to allow God to guide you. That's why you can't be distracted. That's why you have to be on focus. When you decide to take things into your own hands and you're not led by the Spirit, that's when there comes sin. Sin brings regret and sorrow and shame and destruction. So we all have opportunities that we could be depressed, but if we see the seasons and the times in our lives as God sees them, we'll be able to avoid this distraction of depression. So whatever issue, problem, or circumstance that's trying to lead you into depression. So listen, listen, we're going to later on give you, I'm going to give you a definition of depression, but right now bear with me. But whatever's going on in your life that's trying to lead you into depression, there's a solution for it. And it's in God. So God's already provided a way for you to make it through that safely and successfully without falling into the enemy's trap. God has made a way. And we're going to see that as we look at Psalm 91. We're going to continue looking at that. 
So what we have to do is we have to trust God. We have to trust that God's made a way to make it to get us safely and successfully down this path. So we have to cooperate with God and trust his timing. So we, we may be in a season that we don't necessarily like or we think, hey, this season should be over, God. Let's go. And God said, no, just, do, just stay right there. So we have to trust him and we have to trust his timing. God is at work in each and every one of our individual lives. He's not just at work in my life. He's not just at work in Pastor Hill's life or Sister Eberhardt's life. He's at work in every one of our lives. And he's working in our lives to accomplish his will in and through us. And we have to believe that. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. So Romans chapter 8, we're just going to look at one verse here. We're going to look at verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. So I was reading this today. And I've been reading this scripture a lot. And then I looked at it and said, wait a minute, God, you said all. And, and we know. He said, like, y'all know this. You know, like, you know, we know today's Wednesday. You know, it's like, we know, we are confident in this, that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. So I was looking at that and I said, well, okay, he has a comma there. He said to them that love God and to them who are called, who are the called. So who are the called? It's the ones who love God. So, and then I said, well, well, what does that mean to love God? It means to keep his commandments. So, you know, like God's just like, hey, let, let me show you something. Let me show you what I'm telling you. Just follow me. Just follow me and I'm working it all out for your good. So listen, the hardships and the afflictions that we go through, they don't change the plan of God for our lives. So even in our sufferings and in our afflictions, God, God, you, listen, and I know sometimes it's hard to believe this, but what you're going through right now, God knew it was going to happen. And you know what? He said, okay, I know it's going to happen, but let me, let me, now let me show you my power. I'm going to get you through that thing. I'm, I, I've got a way for you to make it out. And not only is going to, I'm going to, you're going to make it out, but it's going to be for your good and my glory. So God is saying, just sit still, hold tight, just hold on to me. Stay here with me. So in this time, we don't despair. Don't give up hope. Don't, don't, don't just say, oh, God, this is just too much. I just want to quit. I just give up. There's nothing left to do. Don't do that. Stay focused. Trust God. And even though it may be hard, live in the season that you're in. Mac, we, we've learned about this. Maximize that season. Ask God, God, what is it that you want me to learn from this season? What, what fruit should I be bearing in this season? So, you know, here's, here's the thing. A lot of times we think we go through hard times and God is saying, oh, you don't have to bear fruit right now. You just hang out and be quiet and be still because you are having a really bad time. And God said, no, you're supposed to bear fruit. We are supposed to bear fruit. See, the thing about it is, and this is a little off my notes, but at all times as believers, we're planting the word in our heart, Right? We're planting the word in our heart. And that word is growing up. And, it's, make, and it's, it's becoming fruit. So if there's ever a time that you're not producing fruit, something has happened wrong. 
So even in the wrong times, even the bad times, we produce uh, fruit in season and out of season. You will see the fruit of the Spirit always, and you should see the fruit of the Spirit in the believer's life always. So work it, work it out in that season. You know what? Just continue. You know, give it all you got for the Lord now. That's what I'm talking about. Not give it all that you got for your flesh. Because, you know, sometimes you can get in it. You're having a bad day. You're like, I'm just going to get in it. I'm going to have a really bad day. And I'm going to do it all the way out. But no, that's not what we do. We don't get in our flesh. We submit ourselves to God. And we allow Him to bring us through that season. We trust in Him. We rely on Him. We, we, what, what it is, it's like, you know, like sometimes if, if you're, let's say you, you break your leg or something. And let's say you're in, in this building and you break your leg. And we need to get you to the car outside. You can't walk on that leg. So you're going to have to get somebody that you can put all your weight on and they're going to have to get you to that vehicle. That's what we do with God. We can't do it. We don't have what it takes to do it. Believe it or not, I know, I know sometimes like, well, yes, I got it. I know what's going on. No, you don't. You got to trust God. You got to trust God. So, you know, like, um, it was this show I used to watch, and this guy was a doctor. He was like the MacGyver of doctors, for y'all who know who MacGyver is. But, and he was, he was doing something, and he didn't have the uh, tools that he needed. And he had this guy helping him. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to grab this man and then pull his, heart, pull his leg as hard as you can. And the guy was like, what? I'm not going to do that. And he's like, you've got to do it or, you know, it's going to be bad. So he did it. So that's what God is saying. You don't have to figure it out. I'm going to tell you what to do and just do it. And at the end of the scene, the guy stood, well, he couldn't stand up, but he stopped being in so much pain and he was out of the danger that he was in. And that's what God is telling us to do. He's saying, listen, listen, I know right now you're in a lot of pain. I'm going to give you the instructions. Obey. Obey. And just keep on listening to what I do and just keep on obeying. And then you're going to look back and you're going to see how I brought you out. So when you're in these seasons of your life and they're unpleasurable, don't try to rush them. Just, just let God lead you through. Even if you're in a pleasurable season, even if it's something you like, don't try to stay there too long. Because you're, you're going you're gonna to be disobedient then. Understand that God knows how to keep us in the seasons of our lives. So let's go over to Psalms 91. So God knows how to keep us. He has protection for us. He has provision for us. And then we have some responsibility. He protects us. He keeps us. And he provides for us. Even in unpleasant times, even when it seems like this really can't be what I think it is, God is there for us. So Psalms 91, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely he will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and the north and from the north and pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Every time I read the scripture, it's just like, God, you are so amazing. You are so amazing. I like how it is here in verse, in verse one. This is just a little extra for you. It says he that dwelleth in the most. Uh, 
It says he, and then in verse 2 it said I. It was like, well, I'm telling y'all, anybody is available to anybody, but let me tell you what I'm doing. So that's what God is saying. This is available to whoever wants it. But if you want it, I. Then you can make yours. So when you look at this, it, it's a lot of words. See, I was looking at it, I said, well, you know, he that dwelleth, in a, and then you got a body. And those words are very similar. So I said, let's, let's look at this. Look, let's look at what this is saying. So the word dwell means to live, to stay, to be settled, to set up camp. So this is, this is a permanent place. This is where you are. Dwell, to live, to stay, to be settled, to set up camp. So where, where is this person dwelling? He's dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. So what's a secret place? It's a hiding place. It's a place of shelter and refuge as a location where one can dwell. So this is just not a temporary secret place. This is where you can stay. So it's a hiding place, a place of shelter and refuge as a location where one can dwell. Implying protection from danger, from danger, a covering. You also may say a veil, something that covers something to make it a secret from something else. So that's that secret place. So he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So dwell and abide are very close words. They, they mean almost the same thing almost. But he uses them twice there. So abide. What are we gonna? This is what I'm saying. Abide is. It is to lodge, to spend the night. So when we dwell, this is a place to set up camp. This is where you live. But when you lodge, this is where you spend the night. This is where you get comfortable. This is where you kick back. This is where you're safe. And then we've got the shadow, and that represents protection. So pretty much he says you're gonna dwell. In this secret place where you're protected. And then you're going to abide in this place where you're protected. So I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about, you know, we had those storms Monday night. And a lot of us, we were at home. And we felt safe. Then maybe the storm got closer to you. And you went into another more inner place into your house. Because you need to be a little safer. So that's what God is saying. When you dwell in God. The place you live, the place you dwell, it's the same place that you abide. So you can take shelter and seek safety in him. So when you're in Christ, you're in a good place. You're in a place of safety. When danger comes, you don't have to move. Think about it. Think about that Monday night. Who ran out of now? If you live, you know, some places, if you were on the third floor, you know, in an upper apartment or, you know, a mobile home or something, you did have to go somewhere else. But for most of us, we stayed right where we were. We stayed in our house. And then we didn't run out. If, if they told you the tornado was getting closer, you didn't run out and look for another place. You just got deeper into the place that you live. So that's what God is telling us. He's like, abide in me. Abide, dwell in me. And when things, look, it's safe here. It's safe. It's secure. So when something comes up, don't run out. Just, dwell, just, just abide. Just get a little bit more comfortable in there. Because I got you. This is, this, that is the safe place. There's, th- that's where we are. That's what God said. And you know what he said? All you got to do, he, he set up the safety. He set up the security. Just stay there. Just get there and stay there. Minister Everhart talked about getting there. Get there and stay there. That's all God is saying. 
It may sound crazy outside. It may look crazy. Everything else may be going on. But just get there and stay there. All these different things that happen in our lives, all the seasons that happen, we're going to go through them. You're not going to get around them. You're not getting a free pass. I'm sorry. But you don't have to be distracted by them because look at where you abide. Look at where you dwell. That's, that's where we stay. So in this time, in these seasons in our lives, we're going to have emotions. There are going to be some problems that we have. We're going to have some issues. We're going to be irritated by some things. Some things are going to rub us the wrong way. But when we abide and allow God to show us how to deal with these things, we'll overcome them. They won't overcome us. So when I dwell, when I abide, God Almighty, think about God. His, he's omnipresent. He, he knows. He's all-powerful. He, he's God. He's the creator. God Almighty hides you and protects you. What do you have to worry about? What do you have to, what, what can drag you away? What will you allow to drag you away? So listen, bad things are going to happen. Scary things are going to happen. Things that you don't want to happen are going to happen. Things that you never thought uh, would happen are going to happen. But if you dwell and you abide, he's your refuge. He's your fortress. You know what? His truth is going to be your shield and your buckler. So I said, let me, let me look this up because I, I just wanted to see what is God telling us he's going to be. So we know what a shield is. A shield we do like this. We put it in front of us. But guess what? A buckler is more like something all around you, like a fortified wall around you. So we got the shield, but God said, hold on just a second. I'm not even going to let that nothing get close to you. I'm going to put something around you. So, you know, you think about it. You think about it. When you were, for, for those of us, we had to get in those closets, those little rooms. When you were there, you were like, I feel safer now. And we, we were in man-made structures. Now, think about God. Think about God. What? Th- listen, things are coming after you. We know that. But what do, what do we have to fear? What do we have to, why would we focus on those things that are trying to cause us to fear instead of focusing on our almighty God? So, the trouble that we have, the hurt, the disappointment, and you know, when you think about those things, you think about the hurt that you've had in your life, the disappointment. And you know, even, even if it's, you thought about something that happened, like, you know, when you were seven years old and you were disappointed because you didn't get some toy, it still kind of had a little, little, oh, that's a little, maybe a little sad, you know? Those things are real. Those things are real. But, God's going to get you through them. He's going to deliver you and he's going to protect you. And believe it or not, he has protected you from those things that are out to destroy you. So you've got to remember what we what, what Minnesota started out in the beginning. The enemy's not looking to just, you know, like he's, he's, he's not taking prisoners, right? He's like, I'm, I'm getting them out. So he's looking for something to get you out of here, to destroy you. He doesn't want you to be effective. He wants you, he wants you in depression because when you're in depression, you are not effective. You may be walking around looking happy, singing songs and all that stuff, but in your heart, you don't have any hope. You're not doing anything. You're just like, that. what, what is life? What is life? This is where I am. So that's what the enemy's trying to get you through. So get you to. 
So what we're going through now is temporal. It's not going to last always. We looked over there in Ephesians, uh, excuse me, Ecclesiastes, and said things are going to change. If one day you're going to be happy. One day you're going to be mourning. The next day you may be laughing. So we have to understand that there are different seasons of our lives. When we don't understand that, we give room for the enemy to work in our lives. What it is, it's like, oh, well, if I am, we're about to get into this next section here, um, the next point. We're going to expose some of the common lies that the enemy uses to ensnare us with depression. So when we don't understand that there are different seasons in our lives, if we are happy and then something happens to make us unhappy, to make us sad, to make us mourn, we may say, well, wait a minute, wait, I was, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I love God. I tithe. I go to church. I do all of that. And now, now I'm sad. Now I'm sad. What, what does this mean? Does, what does this mean? So what, what does the devil do? What does the enemy do? He says, oh, yeah, you are sad. You're a believer. God is good. And that what's happening to you is not good. So he says, you can't be a believer. This doesn't happen to a believer. This is not the conduct of, conduct of a believer. You're doing something wrong. So what we want to do is we want to tear down the lie that as a believer, my life will always be good and undisturbed and that being sad, hurt, or disappointed is not part of the believer's conduct. Listen, go back over to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to read this again because I I want to show you. It says here there are going to be seasons in your life. And there are going to be seasons of sunshine. There are going to be seasons of rain. And here's what I like about this in Ecclesiastes. Not only does he tell you you the things that are going to happen, he gives you some emotions. You know, a lot of times you'll you'll talk to people and they're like, oh, you know, things are going bad. But, you know, I'm just just going to, I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, okay? It's okay to have a bad day. You know it's okay to have a bad day? Now, as a believer, how you react to the bad day. That's the thing. We can't go cussing people out. We can't go acting a fool. We can't go home. We, you know, we, say, we, oh, don't. we can't take a gun and go shooting people up because we had a bad day. You know what? You might have a bad month. You might. I, I can't tell you you won't. But guess what? God is faithful. And guess what? You may have a bad month, but where are you dwelling and abiding? Remember? And you know, like sometimes you think about that and you're going through things, and then you remember how good God is. You know what? It doesn't take away what you're going through, but it gives you something to hold on to. It gives you, you, when you think that the creator of the universe says, he's got me, he's my, his truth is my shield and buckler, okay, I can stand up straight. I can stand up straight. It may take everything in me to stand up straight, but God is faithful. So I can keep going on. So I don't have to sit here and think. I can't let the enemy show me. And it's right here in the Bible. Let's just read it. Let's let's just read it and then we'll go on into it. So we're just going to read these again. I know we just read them, but we're just going to look at them. So verse uh, verse 1 in Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes chapter 3. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. It's a time to be born. It's a time to die. That's going to happen. There's going to be births. There's going to be deaths. Things are going to be born in your life. In your lives. Things are going to come up. You're going to start doing new things. And then some things are going to go away. 
Some things are going to die. Some things you're going to have to put to death. But there's going to be a time for that. There's going to be a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. So all these things are happening. They're, those are actions. And then over here, it's going to be a time to weep. That's an emotion. What? We have emotions? Yes. And then weep. That's not really one we want to have. But guess what? There's a time for weeping. And there's a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Do you know right now we're in the time from refraining from embracing? You know that? Because like, usually we go around and we hug. But guess what? It's time for that. And there'll be a time again when we can embrace. So, you know, you look at these things and you're like, wait a minute, God, you're telling us. So we don't have to get all messed up because right now we're in the time of refraining from embracing. There's a time to rend and a time to sow. Some things are got, may have to be ripped up. Maybe some things you like. Like, you know, like you like your favorite shirt or something and you rip it and you're like, just tear it all up and become a dust rag. But then there's time to sow. You may have to sow some things up in your life. There's a time to keep silent. Some of us don't want to do that. But God will say, it's a time for you to be quiet. And then there's a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. So there's a time for all of these different things. Life is not going to be the same all the time. You're not always going to be happy. You're not always going to be sad. I know sometimes when you're going through things that are hard and, and, and maybe you're mourning or your heart is broken, it seems like that time's never going to end. But guess what? God said it is. There's a season for that. We're all going to have ups. We're all going to have downs. There are going to be twists. There are going to be turns. Sometimes your life is going to be exciting. Sometimes it's just going to be ordinary. Sometimes, you know, and this is, this is one, sometimes you're going to come in, and you're going to feel like, wow, I'm getting all this revelation and this is happening. I can see the growth and da, da, da. And then there's sometimes where it's just going to seem like, God, I still love you. I'm hearing you, but something is different. And God said, that's fine. That's fine. Just keep obeying. You, have you left me? If you haven't left God, just, just keep going. Because you, you, you may be, you're in a different season. But understand, another season is coming. So we're going to all experience these seasons. So don't let the devil trick you into believing that because you're in an unpleasurable season or that you feel a certain way, that you're not a believer and that you've done something wrong. That's not the case. We're not going to go there, but if you go to Job, that's, that's, what, what, that's what was going on with Job, right? Everybody said, you've got to have done something wrong. All this bad stuff is happening to you. But Job was like, I'm keeping my integrity. And you know what, I, I was thinking about Job, and, and there was ev- emotions involved in that. All those things that were happening, he was having emotions, and the emotions are real. The emotions are, I, can't, I cannot stress to you how much I want you to understand. What you feel is what you feel. But I can't tell you how to feel. I can't tell you, like if I give you a joke, I can't tell you, now you think that's funny, laugh. That's, that's what it means. I can't tell you how to feel. But as believers, we have a code of conduct or a standard that God has given us as to how we are to act. No matter how we feel, we, we still stay with God. We still produce the fruit of the Spirit. So we don't pretend that those emotions are not there or that we can, oh, you know, I can keep going. Da, da, da. No, no, we don't pretend that they're not there, especially in those difficult times. Do what you need to do. 
but you do it in the will of God. You do it the way God says do it. So in those difficult times, we can't be led by our emotions. You're going to have them, but don't be led by them. Be led by the Spirit. Because God is saying, I'm still here. Hey, hey, Holy Spirit, I'm, hey, raising my hand. I know you're sad. I know you're mad, but here I am. I can tell you what to do. Answering. I'm calling on you, Holy Spirit. What's, what's next? So, when we allow our emotions to lead us or dictate to us what we're going to do, that's when we become distracted. So, we can have heartbreak. We, our hearts can be broken. We can mourn. We can be sad. We can be discouraged. We can be fearful. Those are all things that we can feel. And all of those things are different from depression. So now I'm going to give you a definition of depression, of what we're talking about in this teaching. Depression is a deep sense of despondency, discouragement, and sadness, often linked with a sense of personal powerlessness and a loss of meaning in and enthusiasm for life. I'm going to read that again for you. Depression is a deep sense of despondency. It's discouragement and sadness, often linked with a sense of personal powerlessness and a loss of meaning in and enthusiasm for life. So when you read that, it just kind of makes you sad, doesn't it? You're like, that's not good. So what is despondency? Because that's one of the words I use in there. And I was looking at it. I, I when I was looking at it, I said, I know what it means, but let's just break it down. Despondency is a state of low spirits caused by loss of hope or courage. So despondency is a state of low spirits caused by loss of hope or courage. So this is what we don't want. This is what God has given us something to protect us from this. Depression is allowing your circumstances to overtake you and you giving up hope. You say it's just not worth it. You know what? I don't think there's any meaning in life. I'm not enthusiastic about it. I'm powerless in this situation. Let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 1. So, when I looked at that, that, um, that definition... It was two words that, that popped out to me. It was powerlessness and hope or discouraged. And I thought, wait a minute. Based on what we have as believers, that is, that is way off. That does not fit. That is not even in the same classification. So let's go over and let's read First Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 3 through 7. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Hmm. By, listen to this, where this lively, where the lively hope is by. It's by the resurrection of Christ, Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved for you, reserved in heaven for you. For you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, 
ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So, here in this scripture it just tells you, wait a minute, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope, God is the author of our salvation and the source of our hope. Our hope doesn't come by what we did, but it comes by what Jesus Christ has done. So, as long as I'm in Christ, I've got hope. So it doesn't really matter these manifold temptations, this heaviness through manifold temptations. Hey, it's heavy, but you know what? I have hope through Jesus Christ. And then what I like, so in the, in the um, definition of depression, it talked about powerlessness. Okay, so let's look at the power. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God. Through faith unto salvation. So whose power is it? God's power. So it doesn't matter if I have any power. I don't need it. Because guess what? I'm dwelling and I'm abiding in God Almighty. So it's His power. So that's why uh, depression is so dangerous. Because you see, you see now when you look at this, and it tells you what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, it tells you how we are standing, and it's by his power. When you look at this and you look at depression bringing hopelessness and a sense of powerlessness, you see why depression is so dangerous. Because it shifts your focus. Now you're not focused on what God has done and his will and what he's doing, what he's shown you in your life, how he saved you. Listen, if he hadn't done anything else to save you, that's all, that's all you need. But you know God has done more because I'm seeing you sitting here right now. So God has done all these things for you, and you have hope in Christ. That's what you're holding on to. That's your salvation. You're holding on to that until the end. So when, you get, when you're depressed and you get that hopelessness, what are you hoping in? What you're doing, depression, when you, when you get into depression, it looks for temporal circumstances and outward signs for hope. It stops putting our hope in Christ and starts putting our hope in temporal things. It shifts the focus from the power of God to what I think is my power or maybe some other thing. You know, I look at it and a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, we got a new president or we got, we got this. We're about to get a new uh, Supreme Court justice. That's where I'm going to be. Yeah, now everything's going to change. And then when things don't, you're depressed. You're hurt. You're like, oh, God, mm, I don't know. I just don't understand. You're sitting there and you're thinking because you placed all your hope into something that, that, that you shouldn't place your hope in. Or you, you place your hope in your, your own hands. We're talking about that in your own hands, what you can do. You know, you, a lot of times people we love are in bad situations and we want to help them out, so we do something, and then they stay in that bad situation. And then you're like, well, let me do this. And then they're still in that bad situation. Now all of a sudden you're like, I don't know if it can work out. I've done everything I can. Well... That ought to tell you something. You've done everything you can, but did you do what God said? Because you know what? God is our only hope. 
listen. When you start looking at those things, and that's why you get, you get sad because you think, well, I don't think there's anything left. What, well, I'm at the end of my rope. What? You know, you, there's a loss in meaning. I don't even know why I'm doing this. And a lot of times, I, I just want to take this time to say this. A lot of times we assume that people who look sad are depressed, right? Like, oh, you know, I saw so-and-so that she looked, she looked like she was depressed. And, you know, they just could have been thinking about their grocery list. You know, because sometimes if you look at me and I'm thinking about my grocery list and I'm thinking I do not want to go to H-E-B at this time because there's going to be too many people, I probably look depressed. I probably look sad because I'm like, oh. But, you know, there are people walking around that we see every day. They're smiling. They are God is faithful. Hallelujah. Oh, you need some notes? I got that note. I wrote that down. And guess what? They've given up hope. They feel powerless in their life. They feel powerless in their situation. They're just walking through. They don't, they don't know what to do. They've given up. But you know what? They've given up and they're like, well, well I'll just keep doing this because this is what I'm doing. I don't want to change. I don't, I don't even have, I, it, it doesn't even mean anything for me to even act sad because I don't want to be that way. So we can't, when we look at this, because as believers, we, we're to pray for our brothers and sisters. You know, our pastor told us, you know, there are things that you're going to do. God is going to, there, there are people God's going to give for you, but you've got to be led by the Spirit. Minister, uh, Minister Rodriguez talked about the commitment to the faith. God's going to send you to people. But you, you know, you'd be like, well, God, they don't look like they need that. And God's like, but just obey. Just obey. You're not, you, you gotta obey God. You gotta obey God and do what He told you to do. Because everything, remember, depression is on the inside. And we can paint a pretty picture. And like I said earlier, as believers, we kinda, sometimes we get a little off balance with these kind of things. And we're like, well, you, you, how can you be depressed and God loves you so much? That's not the right answer. That's not the right answer. You know, you never want to be sensitive to the Spirit. That's all I can say. Be sensitive to the Spirit. When people are going through things, you may not know that they're going through them. That's why we're praying. And, you know, sometimes God will just have you to go up and tell somebody, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. And that could change the trajectory of their life. Because they could feel like, wait, nobody sees me. Nobody sees me, and they're like, oh, God, nobody sees me. I don't even know if I matter. And you just walk up to them and say, you know, it's so good to see you. You, you just send them a little emoji, and they're like, wow, that, that, I'm glad that they're thinking about me. And God will say, I told you somebody sees you. So we can't just get so caught up in what we think things are, and we have to be led by the Spirit. We have to make sure that we're doing what God says do. So we don't, we don't need to look at these things like, like the world does. We need to stay with what God has said. So, like I was saying, depression is dangerous because it shifts your focus from who God is and what he's doing, what he's accomplishing in his will, and it puts it on you. It puts it on what you can do. and Because you remember, the, the definition of uh, depression is powerlessness. So you feel like, and understand, there's going to be time, you, no matter how strong you think you are, you're going to run out of strength. You're going to run out of power, and you're going to get to this place. So that's why we rely on God. We, we go to Him for our strength. So when your choices and your life begins to look different because of the negative feelings that you have on the inside, that's when you're facing depression. 
That's depression. So like I said earlier, we don't we looking at people on the outside, but we don't know the choices that they're making. You don't know what they're what they're basing these decisions on. But when those choices, when the things that you're thinking about, when that sense of hopelessness and powerlessness, that despondency, that discouragement, when those are the things that are causing you to you're making you're basing your decision off those things, that's when you're facing depression. So if you find yourself going down this road, or maybe you're already there, you've already went down that road, there's help. Once again, God wants to help you. God's like, listen, we, we're going we're gonna to get out of this thing. So go over to Psalms 34. So... You got these emotions that are not so good. Your heart is breaking. You're sad. You know you're despondent. You're discouraged. Don't let those emotions make you make decisions. Don't make the decisions based off that. But if you find yourself doing that, or you find yourself right at that point, you say, "Whoa, wait a minute. This is not right. This is what you need to do." Psalms 34, and we are going to start in verse 17. It says the righteous cry. And the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. I love that. Because listen to what it says. It says, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. He says that all the troubles. And then guess what? He said the Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart and save as such as be the contrite spirit. So God wants to heal you. He wants to rescue you. God is like, listen, this is what I do. This 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 is my wheelhouse. Let me come in. Let me heal you. Let me rescue you. And you know what all we got to do? Ask him. Just cry out. God, I need help. And he's right there. He's right there. And God's like, I, I, listen, listen. This, I know how to do this. So God is like, listen. And then I like 19, the many are the afflictions of the righteous. So there we go again. So don't buy into this thing that I should not be going through anything. I shouldn't have any afflictions. Because it says right here, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. I have nothing to worry about. I just cry unto God. And then, you know, I was thinking about this because a lot of times we are people. I just think about myself. A lot of times the trouble that we get in is self-inflicted. And we're like, oh, God, but uh, you remember you told me not to, but I went ahead and kind of did it, God. And God's like, you kind of did it, but you're getting all the the, the, uh, consequences of it. But you know what? God is good. God is faithful. He's still your help. He is your help. Even if the trouble is self-inflicted, your help still comes from God. No other source. No other source. You can't get out of trouble without God. Think about your salvation. 
You couldn't get out. You couldn't get out of sin without God. You can't get out of trouble without God. So you're thinking that sounds really good. That sounds really good. But you just don't know. I'm not really feeling like I see you said there. Uh, well, Psalms, I said it, but you know, like oh, Sister Castillo, you read the righteous cry. I'm not really feeling that whole righteous thing right now. You know, maybe it's some stuff you've done, and you say, "Well, I'm not. I'm not so sure. I can't really get over that." So you start to believe that maybe all these things that are happening, these afflictions that you're happening in your life, that going on because of something you did and that because you did that you don't deserve God's help number one let me tell you none of us deserve God's help okay so we can you don't even have to, that, that, that's another lie we're going to expose you're not getting what you deserve okay thank God okay I will say it like this so you don't think I'm picking on you or saying anything I am not getting what I deserve because God is merciful to me his mercy says, I will not give you what you deserve because you don't deserve salvation. But guess what? God is gracious towards us and his mercy endures forever. So he doesn't give us what we deserve. So this is the second thing we're going to expose. We're going to expose the lie that God is punishing you for something that you did. And what we're going to do when we expose the lie, we're going to uproot it and we're going to replace it with the truth. And that truth is that God is merciful to us even when we've messed up. He has forgiven us through Jesus Christ. So you look at this and, and, and we see that we have these seasons in our lives, good things, bad things, good emotions, bad emotions. And we cry out to God and he helps us. But you say, you know, I, I don't necessarily think God is close to me. I think God is left. You don't have confidence in God anymore. And probably what's going on, you don't think God's going to help you because he's left, but probably you've left God. You've done something and you've gotten out of position. you sinned. So now you don't have confidence in God. But the answer to that is to repent. The answer is not to say, well, I, I just don't believe God's going to help me and continuing down that path. The answer is to repent. It's to acknowledge that I am wrong before God and turn and go back to God. So we're going to look at this. This is going to be the last thing we're going to look at. We're going to look at an example that we do not want to follow. Okay? We're going to look at Judas. So Judas, you know, Judas was, I was, I was thinking about this and I said, Judas is distraction on top of distraction. So back when Minister Haston was teaching on financial issues, Judas had some issues with the money. So he got distracted and he betrayed Jesus. And he tried to handle it himself. So um, I'm going to read this. You guys don't. Because I just, I just like to kind of lay it out here. So uh, John chapter 13 verse 2 said, After supper ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him. So here it is. Judas is distracted. He listens to the wrong counsel. He takes the counsel of the enemy and he betrays Jesus. So he betrays Jesus. And now let's flip over to Matthew chapter 27. And let's see. So he gets distracted by the money. He betrays Jesus. He's got some issues going on. 
And then, uh, over in Matthew 27, he sees what happens. He sees what happens, and now he's not happy. Sin, what did our pastor say? Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and make you pay a price that you can't pay. Here's what, here it is right here. So Judas is a perfect example of what not to do, okay? So verse 3 in Matthew 27 says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, remember the devil put it in his heart to betray him, he went and betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, and this is Jesus was condemned, um, he repented himself. He, was, he felt bad about it. He was remorseful. Judas was remor- remorseful. So then he brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. So first of all, it's a lot of things that Judas does um, incorrectly. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. So Judas, he sins, and he tries to handle his feelings, his guilt, by himself. So he does what he thinks is right. So what should I do? I'm going to go to the, I sinned, I was wrong, I'm remorseful, so I'm going to go to the people that I sinned with, and I'm going to tell them I sinned. Okay. No. No. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, you're going to go to somebody dirty to get you clean. That's what he did. He's like, we all in this together, but let me tell y'all, I did something wrong. So he does, he goes in, first he, he sins, he betrays Jesus, then he goes in, he's like, I don't like this. this, I don't like this feeling. And so instead of repenting to God, he goes to the people that he did the bad with. And then, you know, these, these people, they, they're cold-blooded. They're like, so? What? And? I'm sorry you feel bad now, it's all over. And they're like, oh, oh, you feel bad? That's your problem. Handle that yourself. So then he gets to this point and he's like, oh, my God. What, what just happened? What just happened? And, and you know, you've got to think he's, these things, you know, these are the people in the Bible are real. They have thoughts. They have emotions, all those things. So you think about it. You think about when you, when you wrong someone, especially someone you love, someone who's just been good to you. You know, Judas is probably thinking, that was so wrong, and all these people, and now they're going to, I don't know what they're going to do to Jesus. And his mind starts going, and he's like, I tried to help. I don't know what to do. Now he starts to feel powerless. He's like, I don't know what to do. I, there's nothing else I can do. I've done all this. There's just nowhere else I can go. And he starts to feel hopeless, and he, and he hangs himself. So here's the thing. Judas, he did, don't do that. Don't, don't go down that hopeless spiral. Remember, because where's your hope from? Your hope is, is from God through Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that all these things are spiraling in your head. Grab a hold of that hope. When we sin, we can't handle it ourselves. That's why we have a Savior. So let, let's clarify this. I just got a little time, so we're going to clarify this. So, if you're in this position, and the thing about it is, as believers, when we sin, there is conviction in our heart. We are pierced. There should be some conviction. And it's going to hurt you. And the thing to do is to repent to God, not to man. Repentance is always to God. God uh, grants repentance when you ask for it with a sincere heart. 
So if you say, God, you know what? What I did was wrong. Please forgive me. And God says, okay. With a sincere heart. It's, it's just that simple. If you want to look at a sincere repentance, go over to Psalms 51. We're not going to look at it. And that's what repentance looks like. That's David repenting. The thing about it is, when we're in trouble, when we sin, when we disobey God, when we get this picture in our mind that what we've done is bigger than God, that's when there's hopelessness. But guess what? Nothing that you've done is bigger than God. Nothing that you've done is bigger than God. Let's go over here and we're going to end with this scripture. We're going to look over at 1 John chapter 2. So just remember, you know, you say, but, but God, this is something that I've done before and, and I thought I was over it and I just keep going back to it. God's like, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fix this, but you've got to turn to him. You've got to turn to him. Don't try to, you can't get yourself out of trouble. You, it is by his power. Not by your own power. So let's go over to 1 John chapter 2 and we're going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the perpetuation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. He paid for our sins. And God says, wait a minute, I've got you some help here. If you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Just go and talk to God. Just repent. God's not punishing you. If God wanted to punish you, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. If God wanted to punish you, he wouldn't have had somebody preach the gospel to you. Understand, there, there were things God could have done if he wanted to punish you. God doesn't want any of us depressed. He doesn't want us to feel any of us to be in despair. He doesn't want us to feel hopeless. So he's provided protection and, and hope and safety by Jesus Christ. So we don't have to live like that. We don't have to get distracted by depression because we can continue to focus on him. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.